welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And this week we are finishing up our M. Night Shyamalan coverage with Split. Three girls are kidnapped by a man with a diagnosed 23 distinct personalities. They must try to escape before the apparent emergence of a frightful new 24th. Okay, I'm of several minds about this movie. You might say I'm a little split on the issue. Gross. Mm-hmm. Gross. I had to do it. I'm embarrassed for you. I came up with it today and I was like, oh, I have to do it. Ugh. So bad jokes aside, there will be more, I'm sure. This movie was not at all what I thought it was. And I had very few ideas. I knew that split personality was going to be a part of it. Yeah. Which, okay, it's not split personality. It's not multiple personality. It's DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. Yes. That is officially the title for what this condition is. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, this movie, I really enjoyed this movie with the exception of the gross sexually abusive uncle because we didn't need any of that. Oh, yeah. I understand that the point of including the information was to explain why Casey is so like she's really good at adapting to the surroundings. She understands what's going like how to like like I understand that. But it's like you didn't have to have a creepy like sexually abusive uncle. See what I wanted. She's off in the woods and survives something traumatic with her dad. Because like, that's where I thought we were going. Like da- what I thought was happening was like dad's a militia guy and a survivalist. Yeah. And like they're out alone and something happens to him and she has to like find help like, yeah she has to like figure it out yeah but no they went gross and really cheap there are some people who believe that this movie is also really cheap because it uses did as the mechanism for what's going on there was actually not too long ago a twitter user actually kind of had a thread about it and i found it very interesting apparently this movie caused a lot of trauma for people in the did community and Actually, a lot of online forums had to shut down because there were so many suicides. So that's really awful. And I really that that I just I hate that. I agree that this movie is using someone with this disorder and using the disorder as the mechanism for the villainy. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's and it's it's a similar issue that we had in the village. And it's just that's shitty. That's just shitty. There's no other way about it. I can't completely be in favor of this movie, even though I think the story it tells, it tells really well. Like, I think it's doing a very good job of telling the story that it it wants to tell. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is I think that story is incredibly damaging and painful. And now hearing that it actually caused real harm. Mm hmm. This kind of feels on par with like Clockwork Orange, where we're like, well, it feels like a really interesting movie, but it inspired people to commit horrible, heinous acts. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm cool with that. Well, and DID is also often talked about as it's a trauma disorder. It is created from trauma. And so this movie created more trauma for people who already have a trauma disorder. I do not have a background in any, you know, psychology or any of that. So I'm trying to tread very, very lightly with all of this. Absolutely. Um, 
this film, I can definitely see how this is exploitive. Yeah, well, it's explicitly exploitive because oh, totally. the premise of the movie uh-huh. is that this traumatic disorder becomes something different and fantastical. Yes. And here's the thing. when you, This is in the same world as Unbreakable, which I didn't know when the movie first came out. I know it now with the film Glass, and, right. you know, now that we've watched Unbreakable. I love that it's in the same world as Unbreakable because Unbreakable did this thing where it was like, you do have this superpower. And so I would have loved if that was part of the conflict of Kevin. Like that was the reason why we have this character who has DID. Maybe he has one personality who has these really horrible tendencies and is trying to do something bad. And it's about him using the rest of his personalities, pulling together to fight that and make sure that that's done. And maybe deal with the trauma that created that personality that is seeking out doing something bad. And instead, it's used to create a big bad guy for a ending trilogy of a movie he's doing. Yeah. So it's weird. Because they're like, again, and we've had this problem with M. Night, basically in almost all his movies, where he has these really amazing nuggets of ideas. Mm -hmm. But he wrote them. They're not good. And someone said, go make it. Instead of having a group of writers see like, hey, all right, let's talk about the community that you're talking about here. Just just let's have a sensitivity reader. Sensitivity readers are very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. This is also just laziness and not researching. This is not doing the proper amount of research and thought. I don't think it's a research problem. I think it's a, well, that's cool. That's how I'm going to take this and use it for my villain. Yeah. And I know I've had premises that I've thought of in the past to do that with. Mm -hmm. And I think only recently I've really made myself aware of, hey, if you're creating things, you really need to respect that. Mm -hmm. And if your premise, you know. A character having some type of disorder or some Mm -hmm. type of personality trait is one thing Mm -hmm. and dealing with the conflict around that. But if that has become the premise of your story, you either need to be extremely careful Mm -hmm. or you need to scrap it and find something different. And more often than not, it's the latter. True. We see this all the time. We see it. We're seeing it a lot come to head in the TTRPG world. People playing with attributes that they don't have any experience or relationship to. And it's just, it's inappropriate. It's bad casting. It's whitewashing and or ableism. And it's not good. Yeah. So that's sucks. That, that is hanging over what I think is a pretty good movie. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. So let's get into the meat and potatoes. Now that we've gotten the super horrible part out of the way. The budget for this film was $9 million. Okay. Which, okay, the production values are still really good, but it's a lot. It's very few locations to film in. Digital photography. Yeah. You can tell he's using digital cameras. Mm -hmm. Not that it looks bad. It looks great. Mm -hmm. But it does not have that same filmic quality as the other movies where he was clearly using film stock. You can just tell it's like this is a well-made movie on a much smaller budget. It's also 2016. Yep. And this is like one of his first big like successes after he was put in timeout. It made, it's cumulative worldwide, was $278 million. Talk about a return on investment. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. This single-handedly got him back into being able to make movies again. 
Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. The inspiration for this movie came from Billy Milligan, a person who did have DID in real life. He died in 2014. He was charged with three rapes and was the first person diagnosed with DID to use an insanity defense by reason of that disorder. And he was also the first to be acquitted. Milligan had 24 personalities consisting of 10 desirables and 13 undesirables. And then there was one that was a fusion of all the other personalities. So like, okay, he drew on this this real life event. So I understand that. But you put it in this world with Unbreakable. Why couldn't you have turned it into something where like that's his superpower? Not in a bad way. This is his superpower. Like a la the Hulk. Hearing that it's based off of a true crime mm-hmm. and murder story yeah. makes it worse. It really does. Because now it's double exploitative. Well, now you're almost glorifying what this person did. First of all, I'm extremely skeeved out by that. Yep. But also, I see the logic. I understand totally. where his head was at. No, I totally get that being the inspiration for a film like his. It's a thriller. Oh, I, I can do something with that. Totally fine, cool. But what he did with it is so expl- it feels like Joker. Like I f- that's talking about it makes it feel like Joker again. I will give him this much credit that he wrote complexity into the character. Yes. More than we dealt with Joker. True. Joker, the only complexity we got was in the performance. True. Because what was on the page was just blunt force trauma porn. Mhm. This is not that. And I do give him at least that amount of credit with the character. Yes. And he also made all of those personalities very distinct. Correct. Some of that is the acting, which we'll get into. Yes. But there is an inner conflict, Mm -hmm. which I think he desperately wanted to show Mm -hmm. because he wanted this, what is going to become this big bad. Like he is going to be the guy who can protect glass. Yeah, I mean, we've... And it's pit evil versus good. Totally. I mean, we've seen the trailer, so we've seen James McAvoy running as the beast. Um, so we know that's a part of the plot, whether or not we don't know anything. The writing, like, the plot is bad. The plot is bad. The writing of Kevin is interesting. I don't want to say it's good because he's the problem, um, but yeah, it's just it's so fucking hard. Well... It's frustrating, right? It's very frustrating. Because just like Joker, you're watching this going, there's an amazing story to be told here. Well, and okay. But this is most definitely not it. And as I was watching this movie, with the exception of the creepy uncle crap, I was like, this movie is so captivating. I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm watching. Like, I am enjoying my experience of watching this movie, which fucking sucks. Because yeah. then when it's over, I'm like... It's just not cool. Like, there's nothing worse than a shitty story, an exploitive or traumatic story being done really well. Oh, yeah. It's really infuriating. Yeah, because that means you've been manipulated. That means that 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 director has effectively used camera shots and angles and sound and all the different stuff to manipulate your emotions to captivate you. Okay, so I think that just means that he's an amazing fucking director. Like, <laughs> like I think it's firmly established. He has fabulous ideas. He should get story by credit, but he should not be allowed to write for fuck's sake. But damn, that man can direct something. And he should 
most definitely not be allowed to touch anything related to mental illness ever again. All right. So, I mean, that that covers it. That's directing and, and writing. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. But you're right. He directed the hell out of this he movie. He fucking directed the shit out of this movie. And I had a great time watching this film. And then we sat down and we thought about it and we talked about it. And we went, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, oh, man. So let's get into the thing that is undeniably amazing. And that's our cast. We start with James McAvoy. Before this, I mean, you know who James McAvoy is. So I grabbed the really big shit. He was in Band of Brothers, Children of Dune on television, State of Play on television, Wimbledon. He was on Shameless, the TV series, The Last King of Scotland, Becoming Jane, Atonement, Wanted, The Last Station, X-Men First Class, Arthur Christmas, Filth, Muppets Most Wanted, X-Men Days of Future Past, Victor Frankenstein, and X-Men Apocalypse. After this, he's been in Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Watership Down on television, Glass, Dark Phoenix, It Chapter 2, and he will be in the upcoming his Dark Materials on HBO. Mr. Tumnus. It's <laughs> all I'll ever remember him Oh, yeah. For. I forgot to put that in here. <laughs> Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus. Every time I see James McAvoy, to me, he's doing something different. And I love him. He does do a good job of that. His Xavier has gotten a little old, but that's just because those movies are they're, written so They're poorly terribly. written. The first, the first two were really good. Yeah, they, they were. were. Really enjoyable. He was great in it. Him with Michael Fassbender, great pair. He is so good in this. He acts his ass off. I mean, I give him credit. Yeah. So little background. It's not so much who could have been better. Joaquin Phoenix and the production couldn't reach a contract agreement. So James McAvoy was cast. Again, I mean, that makes sense. M. Night likes working with the same people again. Couldn't figure it out with Joaquin. I could see Joaquin being like, you're going to be a fuck ton of money because I'm the whole movie. Oh, yeah. And Joaquin says no. And then Joaquin did Joker. Yeah, now he's done Joker. So M. Night cast James McAvoy after a chance meeting with him at Comic-Con where McAvoy had recently completed X-Men Apocalypse and his hair was like still mostly shaved. It was just still that like kind of like scalp stubble. And it was during the course of those conversations like and James McAvoy was was really soft spoken. He's like, oh, this is who it needs to be. And he would be bald and he would have no makeup and he would look exactly like James McAvoy, which I think is genius. And so perfect because I love in the film, you can see that, yes, they use costuming tricks, but then you also see him completely change character without changing his clothes. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things to see an actor do. He's acting. Oh. And he's doing the purest form of acting. Mm -hmm. They use a little bit of costuming, mostly just as a visual signifier. Yes, to make it very clear to you. That while you are seeing the same person, they are a different person. Yes. Which is great. And then all the different accents he uses and cadences are just, I mean, you can write that, but to be able to perform it is a completely different thing. I was talking about that captivating quality. Mm -hmm. 90% of that is him. <laughs> oh, totally. Just acting his ass off. Oh, I love him as the little kid who's nine. Mm-hmm. Dennis and the lady talk about it. They talk about how he wants a boy this time. They're going to give him you. No, Miss, Miss Patricia, she said, she says she's not mad at me anymore. She, she sings to me sometimes. I think Miss Patricia's still a little mad at you. Miss Patricia thinks I'm, she thinks I'm stupid. She's, she thinks I make silly mistakes. The lisp he uses and the way he talks, I was just like, you are 
so captivating. And his posture. He gets, he so physically embodies it. And then when he's Patricia, like mm-hmm. he's, uh, it's just beautiful to watch. In I fact, would, the worst part of it is when he embodies the beast because it's so visually special effects mm-hmm. that it cheapens all of the great acting he's done up to that point. Yeah. Like it's really frustrating. Yeah. He just, ooh. That's just, again, that's because M. Knight pegged himself into that corner. Now you have sort of cheapened all of the really great work that this actor did. True. That was a lot of comments that I did see is that people like, he should have been recognized for this performance because it was that good. He's really good. I he, give he, him full credit. I, I, I see an Oscar in his future. Next, we have Anya Taylor-Joy. Before this, she was in Vampire Academy, Endeavor on television, The Witch, Atlantis, Morgan, and Barry. After this, she was in Thoroughbreds, which we loved. The Secret of Marrowbone, Glass, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance on television, Radioactive, she'll be in Peaky Blinders, and coming soon, she's going to be in a new adaptation of Emma and a fuck ton of other shit. She's also amazing. We know she's good. Yep. Lots of people have seen The Witch, still desperate to see it, but- Yeah, I can't see that one. Thoroughbreds for sure. She's, she's fantastic. She is so good in Thoroughbreds. I love that movie. That was one of the best movies we saw last year. Yeah. So great. I mean, she's just, she's got that perfect, like, blank face where, like, at first glance, it's, well, nothing's going on. And then you can see all the emoting behind the blank. Well, and it's really interesting that in Thoroughbreds, she is playing, at first glance, a trope of a rich, sheltered girl. And in this movie, she's playing a trope of a loner, woodsy girl. Mm -hmm. And in both, you don't feel like it's not natural. Plus... She brings such depth and complexity to how she reacts, how she acts in it, that it doesn't really matter. She's not Mm -hmm. playing the trope, because I think very easily that could have happened in those movies. And instead, she plays a real character, and she actually reacts to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Next, we have your favorite actress, Betty Buckley, as Dr. (laughs) Karen Fletcher. I'm not going to get into all the reasons. That Betty Buckley is a cursed name in our house, but it, it really has nothing to do with her. No, as it an really actress. doesn't. It's just every time her name pops up, there it, there's a story that we're reminded of. We're not going to share it here. Before this, she, I mean, she's been in fuck ton everything, all the TV in the world. She was in Carrie, Eight is Enough, Evergreen, Bonnie and Clyde, Wyatt Earp, The Last Time Out, Oz, The Happening, and then after this, like the big thing she's been on, Supergirl on the CW and Preacher. I really liked her in this. She genuinely cares about Dennis. Like she believes him, but she knows him and she's paying attention. Like I feel like she's being a good therapist, except for the whole like meeting him at his at his place. That was a mistake. I think she's fine, but I also am left wondering if you had like a Helen Mirren there, mm-hmm. would there have been more subtlety and nuance to that character? I think there are times where that comes through, but I think there are some times where it just feels like I am playing a very stock psychiatrist character. And I don't know that that's necessarily, that could be what's on the page, right? Well, there could have been a little more subtlety, but I think if you get too much, you start focusing on her more than him. And see, that's my mistake. I believe that I went over this incident with you too fast. Although you said you were fine. And the other identities I met with said it was fine. 
I believe that this brought up issues from when you were a child and abused. Sometimes another incident of abuse can cause suppressed personalities to take the light. Dennis, if this is you, I completely understand why you felt the need to take over and protect the others. <laughs> Doctor, not this again. Yeah, I don't know. It's Maybe del- that's what I want, though. <laughs> well, what we should have seen was we should have seen her actually going through therapy with some of the other personalities. Like, we should have had her in a session with Hedwig. We should have had a session with her and Patricia to see how she interacts with the different personalities. Next, we have Haley Lou Richardson as Claire. Before this, she was in Up in Arms on television, Shake It Up, Ravenswood, Awkward, The Webisodes, Follow, Recovery Road Television, The Edge of 17. After this, she was in Columbus, Operation Finale, The Chaperone, Five Feet Apart, and she's got a few things coming up. Five Feet Apart? Yeah, we saw that movie for part of our doghouse content. She was good in it. That movie was garbage. Well, that movie was a trope. But I liked the performances in it. I really did. Yeah, and she she was a she gave a great performance. And she gave a great performance here. Yeah, like she's a scared teenager, and believably so. And that's fair. So she did her job. Good for you. Next, we have Jessica Sula as Marsha. Before this, she was on Skins, the television show Love and Marriage, Honey Trap, Recovery Road. After this, she's been on Godless, Big Fork, Scream, the television series, and then she's got a bunch of stuff in the works as well. Also, well done at being a scared teenager. Yeah. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate the subtlety they brought to it, too. They weren't just screaming delirious, like, wimpy girls. Like, once once they got over a little bit of the panic and, like, Casey was like, let's do this. Let's do this. They're like, okay, let's do it. Come on. All right. And then they were fierce. And then when Claire was trapped in the closet, she's like, we got to figure this out. And Marsha was trying to use the hanger. to Like, they, they weren't helpless. They felt like three-dimensional characters. Yes. And that's always a net benefit. If your side characters in a horror movie like this feel like they're also real and trying to escape this. Yes. And then we have some Arpons. Ooh. Brad William Hinky as Uncle John. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Sebastian Arcellus as Casey's father. Um, he was on House of Cards. Uh, the other guy was on the last two seasons of Orange is the New Black. Like, those are the recent things you would know them from. Like, but there was their faces, you're like, I, I know that one. So, yeah. Trivia. Trivia. In order to prevent leaks, the final scene was not included in the shooting script and was also omitted from all test screenings. Well, yeah, you know. I get that. That makes sense. We got to keep the trilogy secret hidden. Hmm. This is the fifth M. Night movie to gross more than $100 million at the box office. M. Night mentioned in an interview that he licensed music from previous films scored by Ennio Morricone. And tracked the film with his score, but ultimately thought that it was too old-fashioned and hired composer Wes Dylan Thordson to write an original score. First of all, the score in this movie is fucking phenomenal. It's pretty damn good. It's a very good new school horror score. Neil Morricone is a great composer. I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. But like, this is not the right movie for that, for mm. that broad sweeping epic score. At an AFI screening, Betty Buckley referred to herself as the crazy lady from The Happening. (laughs) That's true. She is the crazy lady in The Happening. Mm -hmm. The last thing Kevin remembered was being on a bus on September 18th, 2014. This is the date which Scotland held a vote to decide if they were going to split from the UK. Kevin is played by James McAvoy, who's from Scotland, and is pro-independence. 
It's kind of cool. Meh. Well, whatever. I need an important date. Let's pick one. All right. Okay. I don't know. It's okay. Well, what would have been funny is if Kevin was actually Scottish. That would have been hilarious. Kevin Wendell Crumb. Kevin Wendell Crumb. That would have been awesome. And I would love for James McAvoy get to use his real accent, which is super sexy. It is very hot. It's a very sexy accent. <sighs> a young Kevin Wendell Crumb and his abusive mother are speculated widely to be seen briefly and unbreakable in this scene in the stadium where David Dunn brushes past the woman with the child and he senses child abuse before he confronts the drug dealer. Mm. And in this movie, it's revealed that Kevin himself is a victim of child abuse, with his mother being the abuser, and that his father left on a train. Spoiler for class, but I'm not going to read it. But ew, still ew. Like that just feels so gross. It feels, well, it it feels gross because they took this thing and didn't turn it into like a superpower, an asset. They used it to make him a villain. Yeah. Which I hate. No. I just, I can't get behind it. It's just bad. <sighs> The last time Barry visited Dr. Fletcher, you can see how he opened the front door using Dennis's yellow washcloth and then putting it in his pocket after walking in, showing it that it has been Dennis all along pretending to be Barry. Well, yeah. So that's cool. If I watched it a second time, I would see that, but I am watching this movie a second time. The movie poster shows cracked glass is similar to the poster for Unbreakable and alludes to the fact that both films are in the same universe. This was confirmed by M. Night, and he also stated that he intended... When, like, early on, he intended that he was going to make a third film with all of the characters together. We know that became Glass. The other thing is that because this movie was done by a different studio, M. Night had to get permission to include David Dunn and get Bruce Willis. Like, he had to get permission to include them in the film. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, which makes sense. So, yeah, that's it. Everything else is just blech. <laughs> I do like that there were 23 different toothbrushes. I noticed that. I saw there. I didn't count them all, but I was like, there's 23 there. Yeah, no, I was like, what? Oh, yes. That's why there's so many toothbrushes. Mm -hmm. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Mm -hmm. What are we going to rate this movie? Yellow washcloths. I'm going to have to go with a three. One for James McAvoy. (laughs) One for Anya Taylor Joy. One because M. Night directed the shit out of this movie. But I'm mad about it. It's a three, (laughs) but I don't like it. I'm going to go for a two. I really can't get behind the message of it. This is a movie that I would actively tell people, just don't watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't watch the rest of the trilogy. I really wouldn't recommend Unbreakable anyway, because I just thought it was kind of bleh. Mm-hmm. This movie's really well made and good, except that it's got this really horrible message that says everything wrong about these characters, as opposed to what it should or could say. I, I can't get behind that. I'll I'll give it bunches of kudos for the performances, but it's like, let these people do something this amazing in a universe that's not written so piss poor. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I'm giving it a three for exactly the things that I think warrant any rating at all. <sighs> but yeah, that brings us to the end of our M. Night coverage. Generally? Mm-hmm. I don't like M. Night Shyamalan, but not for the reasons that I didn't like him before. I don't like his writing, but he is a very good director. I think he's a I think he's a pretty good director. People are so angry at him, but I think it comes from the fact that his his writing is bad. His writing's not good. No. But his direction is good and, and it is captivating direction. And he ca- man, fuck, he casts good. And that's the thing though, is 
when you've got somebody like this who works as an auteur, I don't know what his ego's like, mm-hmm. but I get the sense that he would never do it. That's fair. If he's not writing it, if he's not building that story, he's not going to make the movie. I'm sure if somebody had the exact right script for him and said, this is what I want to do, this is what I want, but I don't have the skill to direct it, but I know you do, he might be compelled. It's got to be my project. He can make so much money. Go be the exec producer and the director and make fuck tons of money off of it. Yep. Be Spielberg. Learn. Learn from Steven. So what are we doing in November? Well, we're going on vacation. <gasps> so we're not doing anything for November? No, 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 no. No. We are going with the Griswolds. Oh, fuck. On vacation. Oh. Because that's right. You've never seen vacation. Nope. Or European vacation. I've seen like 30 minutes TV edited of Euro vacation. Or Vegas vacation. Nope. And because, again, for completionists, we haven't seen the 2015 vacation. Which, funny enough, still in the same universe. It is. He's, he's, it's Randy. And I, I know Ed. Rusty. Rusty. His name is Rusty. What? Huh. Randy Quaid. Ah. There we go. Is in the vacation movies. Is he in all of them? No. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. I'm confused. We'll get there. I haven't seen any of these movies. Just prepare yourself. Okay. For next time. 1983's National Lampoon's Vacation and get ready for Wally World. Oh, fuck. This is the movie that comes from... Until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. (laughs) 